I'm your host, Adam Kasobi-Cannon, and this podcast is brought to you by BriefBid, a platform for agencies and brands to discover new media strategies and plan advertising spend. Let's get started. I'd like to welcome Jared Klierman to the podcast. Jared, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Hey, Adam. Thanks for having me. Now, Jared, you are, among many things, you're a father. You're the president of the Think Tank Agency out of Toronto. You are the co-founder of Wander Nut Butters, our first podcast product to be featured on the show. You are a a, a degree holder in biology, neuropsychology, business, and the thing I think I respect most is that you planted trees in Northern Ontario. Question on everybody's mind. How did you get here? Uh, I got here through networking and maintaining relationships and taking opportunities when they present themselves. That's how I ended up here. I like that. Simple, repeatable, structured, also gives no insight into your entire journey. I like it. Vague. (laughs) Well, that's the whole point of this, right? We're supposed to have this wonderful dialogue. And how good would that dialogue be if I just gave you all the answers right at the gate? Right? Yes. This. This is why we podcast. No, I, uh, I, I really like you know the the trajectory of, of your story and your journey, and uh, admit that I like to go back to the beginnings. Uh, I, I got to ask, like you've had such uh, an interesting upbringing, an interesting life, and you continue to do really cool things and delicious things. Like, what did this start in your childhood? Like, did you have this defining moment in your childhood that kind of remained true through it all? Uh, you know, that's a great question. I don't think there was so much a defining moment so much as there was a couple of real consistent moments that just recurred so often, they're just ingrained in my mind. So yeah. there's one that goes with each one of my parents, actually. Um, so in my past, just to you know get this out of the way, early on, I was homeschooled for a huge amount of my childhood. Yeah, right? So that's a big one for most people. So for the vast majority of my elementary years, I was at home. So I spent a lot of time with my mom. Um, who taught us everything, and as a result, uh, we were also a very health-oriented family. So when, back when I was a kid, most people saw kale and thought that's what the decoration was around the buffet, and I was eating it on a regular basis, right? So that's how forward-thinking my parents were. You name, you know, you name that plant-based thing? I tried those first iterations back in the early 90s, and it was plastic and cardboard. I mean, it was awful. <laughs> um, but as a result of all of this, I really grew up around food. Right. And so I love food, always have loved food. And my dad, who's an entrepreneur and my mother's as well, but my dad really is the the primary entrepreneur in the family. Um, He ran a few different businesses, one of which was a bulk burn franchise. So also tied to food. So being homeschooled, I spent a lot of time with him at the store. So, you know, a couple of constants that kind of got me to where I am now is one for my mother, very caring, very giving. And so that really lends itself to who I am. Uh, But also my passion for food, 100 percent comes from her. Right. I grew up reading cookbooks is my favorite thing to do. So all of that love and passion and food and food products definitely comes from her. And then my dad has my business drive. Right. So he grew up running the business. You know, he would go to the store at five, six o'clock in the morning, get home whenever he got home. But something that always stood out for me, especially when I talked to my friends, was that he made it home for dinner more often than not. So it was out, you know, it was about a half hour, 45 minute drive out to the store. So he would sometimes drive home for dinner or at least part of dinner put us to bed, and then he would drive back to the store to finish the day. So, you know, for me, both my parents, of course, lots of love, lots of family, but from him, the importance of family and being present was a really big part of it, along with his passion for business. And if you look at, you know, myself, you know, when you started reading and introducing me, the first thing is I'm a dad. And I put that in the forefront of almost everything I do for a reason. Um, family comes first. It's the model I have at the agency. Um, it's how I live a lot of my life. 
Um, and so that's, you know, those, my parents are really those monumental pillars of who I am. And it's their, those memories of them in those situations that really carry through everything I do right up to everything I'm doing now. <laughs> I like that. That's grounding. And I'm glad uh, now this podcast can act as your your uh, your holiday card to them to say like, okay. hey, look, I, I, I gave you enough kudos this year. Do I really need to buy you again? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, that's it's it's so cool to see like the the first uh, like elements of, of entrepreneurship to like kind of develop, especially when you can like, I like in the business sense, I got it, I got it from my dad and my mom just kind of taught me like this kind of love for, for food and, and the hearth. I, I want to know though, like, do you remember the first thing that you sold? Like the defining moment? First thing I sold, I know the first books I ever balanced because that was one of the part of the other fun thing of being homeschooled. My mom did the books for the company at the time. So I understood credit from the age of like six, seven. It was crazy. Uh, but first thing I sold, you know, I didn't do a lot of selling of products. I was a service guy. Yeah. So I was a swimming instructor. I worked as a lab tech at my high school. I um, was a barista. Um, so I think, I think legitimately, that other than giving away apples as a Boy Scout, which isn't really selling, <laughs> kind of is, but different type of selling. I think the first thing I actually sold was credit cards as a telemarketer. No way! Uh, yeah, which is so bizarre. <laughs> Most people think you would have been a cashier or something. No, no, no. I think it was legitimately selling credit cards. Um, other than fundraising stuff like that, it was totally that. Um, and then, you know what, I, I, I have to think about that more. I haven't sold that many products. I've typically been on the service provider side of things. So teaching or instructing, um, even at the agency. So I sell here technically, mm -hmm. not a service, not so much a product. Um, but yeah, I think it was credit cards. I think it was the first thing I sold. See, that that's, that's an incredible distinction because I think a lot of people forget there's like, I've sold to clients, I've not sold to customers that often, which is, uh, I think, a very, very interesting distinction when you're you're going through your career, you're in the early stages, and you're like, there's a clear defining kind of understanding, especially in availability to the buyer at the end of the day. Um, it's a drastically different way of selling, and I've been very fortunate through my career that I've done a little bit of product, I've done, but I've also done, you know, B to B, B to C, and you know, I think it's really important for people to try and explore and experience all the different types of sales. Cause I think a lot of people get stuck in those early days of doing like the MLMs type early sales stuff. And it taints your experience with sales because <laughs> you're selling crap and nobody likes to sell crap. Yeah. So find yourself a product you believe in and go for it. And you might actually find you really like sales, especially if you sell like I do, which is I don't sell. I talk to you about what you're going through and here's some things you should know about. And if it happens to be a fit with what I do, I'll mention it. And if not, uh, you'll, you'll never even know. See, I, I really, I like that because, uh, you know, it sales is such an, an incredibly valuable skill and it's so much easier to hit the ground running selling when you like what you're carrying uh, to sell, which is uh, it really, uh, to, le to let the metaphor speak for itself, I'll, I'll shut up there. Um, <laughs> what what I, I really want to know is that, you know, you've had such a, an interesting career of not only incredible diverse experience in becoming uh, the, the agency person that you've developed and then developing your own agency and then now with, with Wander, but is there one thing that you would like tell someone, right? Starting out their career, like a piece of advice that they should definitely just keep in mind. Uh, yeah, uh, two, <clears throat> a two part because they're kind of related. Consistency and persistence. Uh, there's all sorts of other stuff that goes around that, but that's the two big key ones. And it doesn't yeah. matter what you do in life, as long as you are consistent about what you're doing and you are persistent in whatever you're pursuing, you will be successful. So, you know, I learned this lesson very early on in a number of ways, but re what really made it stand out was back when I was in third year undergrads, it's going back like 2005-ish, 
six, something like that. Um, I was applying to be the assistant teacher for a job, an assistant teacher for a uh, biology program offered out in British Columbia that was through the Peel Board of Education here in Ontario. Very bizarre, but I went out and did, did the course as a student. So I got my scuba diving cert, it was ocean, uh, marine biology, very much aligned with what I loved. It was awesome. So I went back out to teach. Very competitive to get in. And so for about, you know, I put in my application, knew I made the final round, is between myself and a couple others. One, someone else I knew was also applying. And I would just consistently, every week or so, would send a little nudge, a little reminder, a little thing to the person doing the hiring. Be like, hey, you know, it's a month out from when we got our booking plane tickets. Just want to see if any decisions have been made. And he literally called me and said, Jared, you're the most persistent person I've ever met. The job's yours. I'll send you the rest of the details. I'll see you then. Don't email me until then, though. <laughs> I was like, perfect. Um, but that's what it comes down to, right? So in that, of course, is being respectful. I wasn't actually bugging him because, you know, you have to know your timing. But that persistence, the knowing what you want. And, you know, I heard no lots and I got discouraged tons. But if you stay with it, you're going to get there. And then same thing with consistency. Um, it, it's the other side of that. So we are posting on social media. You're building your personal brand. You're building your company's brand. Posting consistently, consistent messaging, consistent branding, all of whatever you're doing, consistency is what allows you to be known and then ultimately be successful as an extension. So I think those are the two big things I think you should be thinking about as you're trying to develop your career is being consistent and persistent. No, I, I, I like it's an in, it's like one of those things you want to apply it not only in your career, you're just like it, you're learning something. It's, it's part of learning. It's just one of those keep it in the back of your mind because you've got it. Be, be persistent with your learning by setting goals, but then be consistent with it by staying and keeping at it and meeting those goals. Like it, it really is. Exactly. Uh, can, can you like go back in time and just tell me that when I'm yeah. like 17? I'd really Look, appreciate it. If I can tell you that, I'll tell myself that at the same time. Because man, I wish I'd known that when I was 17. It would have been great. <laughs> and yeah. then we'll have invented the time machine. <laughs> well, and then the things we could have done. Let me tell you. I, uh, <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> This segment of You Tried What? We are actually featuring a special local edition. Since you're in Toronto and I'm in, and that's pronounced Toronto, T-O-R-O-N-N-O, and I'm in Calgary, that's C-A-L-G-R-Y, we decided on getting local pasta maker provided pastas for each of us. And what, what is the pasta that you're trying today? So I've got pasta from NOCO, uh, so they're obviously based here in Toronto, they're a frozen pasta and sauce company, and so I've got their agnoletti and their gnocchi with a walnut pesto and a spicy tomato sauce, and what makes them unique is they are gluten-free, a um, whole bunch of other things free, all very healthy, handmade still in small batch, um, which is why you can get them in Calgary, because they can't get them to you, so can I'm very much benefiting from being local here in Toronto, and which yes. one are you having? And, and for me, yeah, to, to benefit from a local pasta maker, which I think we've decided, a, a, a pastafario? Uh, pastarian? A, a pastarian? A, a pastafarian? No, that's the, that's the, the noodle religion. Yeah. Um, yeah, we are, I'm trying Canmore's beet and goat cheese ravioli. And the most fun thing we can say today, uh, a ravioli al yo-yo, 
which uh, say that nine times fast. Yeah. <laughs> I dream of it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm having their yeah their beet and goat cheese ravioli. They are also uh, no preservatives. They're uh, made with fresh whole eggs. Uh, also feature uh, a, an incredible variety of um, of like gluten free and and uh, other things free to accommodate all diets and ship frozen as well because they are made locally. The benefit of having a local pasta maker. So I think what everybody wants to hear and see, Jared is us eating pasta. Here we yep. go. Oh, wow, your spread's way better than mine. Well, see, this is what happens. You get two things to sample, four things, really, to sample. And, and just so everyone knows, this is not the full package size. I took just a little bit for me to try. Sorry, we're going to get buzzing because my everything on my world is connected with Apple. Um, <laughs> but I only took a little bit for me to sample because my daughter also loves pasta. And she found the bags a couple days ago and asked me what it was. And I really, very, very foolishly said it was pasta. I should have lied. Don't lie to your kids. But I should have lied to my kid. And I didn't. So she knew I was eating it today. So I promised her she could have some when she got home from school. So there's some set aside just for her. Yes. Lying is bad unless it's yeah. used as a teachable moment for children. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so let's let's dig in. Let's get some of that ASMR uh, pasta eating. Um, Jared and I are now going to eat the pasta. My ravioli yo yo. Oh yeah. Oh, that came to play. Oh, that's solid. Well, I'm always a little worried when I see gluten-free products, right? Especially with pastas. Yeah. Because they can very easily be glue. Yeah. Right? And nookie, even at the best of times, I've tried making nookie. It can go wonky on you really easily as well. These nookie have a great bounce to them. Um, you, you definitely know it's not pasta because you can taste the cauliflower a little bit in there, which I actually like. Yeah. Um, I don't mind if you taste that, if you're, you know, trying to avoid something and you use something like a cauliflower and it tastes like cauliflower. I know that. We expect that. Um, but that's really good. And that pesto is baller. It's really good. Man, I, I love, I you know, well, first tagline of the show, I can more have this. Uh, didn't work. Didn't work. Ne next tagline. Next tagline. Um, I, you know what I will say, too? I like the crimping. I like a good crimped ravioli. Aesthetic. And delicious. Mm. Wow. Wow. Also a big fan of that egg noletti. Really nice. Mm. Nice bite to the pasta. <laughs> that spicy tomato sauce isn't joking around. That has some kick to it. My daughter's going to love that. She's three-year-old and likes spice. But not she's too much. She's spi spice kid? She likes the. She likes it a little apice. She takes it after her father and her mother, to be fair. We're both big foodies. Like, her first food was lemon curd. And her reaction was just as you expect. It was a face crumpling of what the heck did you just feed me? Then she had this momentary pause of consideration of, hmm, do I like that? And you saw, literally saw the moment click in her head where she went, yep, I really do. And then she attacked the spoon again to get more. It was priceless. I have the whole thing on film. But yeah, she likes a little bit of spice. She likes all the big extreme flavors, but not too spicy. So it's a good, I feel warm. Mm -hmm. Right? It's type of spice where you feel warm, but you're not like sweating. You're not, my mouth's not on fire. I just feel like, yeah. Warm and nice. That's a really great spicy tomato sauce. It's it's not ghost peppers and a mistake that I have to live with tomorrow <laughs> in the morning for for a constitutional of sorts. Yeah, it's, it's right. nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's heartwarming. Good level. Yeah. So, question on everybody's mind: million dollar marketing campaign. I got a million dollars. Only million dollar marketing ideas allowed on segment two. What are we doing? How are we marketing this to the people? How do we get pasta to the people locally, globally? 
Yeah, so I mean, I, I think there's a few things right out the gate that you know aren't novel or necessarily new, but I think really just work so well you should be using them. So, you know, being local, it's all local sourced as well. It means you have farms that you can go out and visit. Um, I'm a huge fan of going out and like, take this out and make it in the field, right? And if you do it properly, you can cut, do little shots where like you're in the tomato field and you pick a tomato and squeeze it. Now it's a sauce going into the pan, right? You can do some cool on-site stuff, tie it back to being regional, um, especially if you're going to stay within your province for a little while, which there are all sorts of business advantages to doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really play up that Ontario made or uh, Alberta made, uh, both very strong right now as well in both markets. You know, everyone's yeah. looking for that provincially made product. Um, so I think, you know, going out there in the field, whether you do it with, as the founder, which I think is always a nice touch, um, or the founder with a really cool up and coming local chef or something like that. Um, I think that would be really neat. I, I'm a big fan of going on, on site and, and seeing the produce that you're going to use kind of be integrated into that process. You know, it's a nice behind the scenes that makes everyone feel good. Yeah. And it's how fresh your product is, which is a frozen product. I think you still, you know, the perception of frozen has definitely shifted through the pandemic. We're much more open to it. We understand it's a lot healthier than it used to be back in the day. Yeah. But I think being able to go to the field and like show that fresh to frozen play is so powerful. And actually, as I say that, an extension off of this and something I've been hammering on all year because I think it's being underutilized. Products like this, when they get into a retailer, should be advertising maybe in frozen, but in produce. Put it in produce, right? Forget the pasta section. Bypass that completely. You're going to pay way too much to be in that aisle because it's owned by Catelli Barilla, which is now the same company. Yeah. Um, you're never going to get in there. You're not going to compete on sauce. It's too crowded. And the better for you, healthy section, you're all the often away from everything. So you're going to lose potential clients because I would buy this over normal pasta. Pasta rates are about to go up. Durham, um prices are about to go up. So pasta will go up. So be in produce. Put yourself right in there, right? Put it next to the mushrooms. You know, so fresh they want it to be paired with these mushrooms. Or, you know, we're so fresh we should be here, but find us in Frozen, right? I think that's an awesome opportunity for this Frozen brand, Frozen brands, to hide how fresh they are um, and pull it over. You know, it's a great play. Mill Street did the same thing with organic, right? With their organic yeah. beer, right? Uh, we should, with all their bottles in the produce section, there's a big campaign a few years ago that did that. It was brilliant. It's the same thing here. I just think it's so underutilized, that section. I, I can't believe you just simultaneously came up with an idea of like farm fresh pasta and then also said hey by the way the index for wheat futures might go up so pasta might go up <laughs> you should educate yourself on the merchandising within grocery stores that see this is this is why i love my job right i do a lot of things but why i love what i do at the agency is one of my biggest roles is knowing what the hell is going on out there yeah well what's cool and i kind of mentioned before i sell through sharing knowledge so a lot of what I do is talking to brands like these founders, actually, be like, hey, you know about X, Y, Z. Um, and then if there's an opportunity for me, it just comes up organically. <laughs> um, but that's what, what so the reason I know about prices on terms, I literally got an article this morning, talk or last night I saw it. And I saw it, I'm like, oh my God, I got to pull this up in the, in the call tomorrow somehow. Because this is like one of those things that if you're a marketer or if you're a founder trying to break into something, this is the type of stuff that, so if you're in pasta, you should be projecting that your costs are about to go up in the next you know several months and will be sustained high until next harvest yeah so you know um, and then if you're a marketer how's that going to impact what you do if you're a consumer well you know maybe now it's time for me to go look at you know no-go pasta because maybe those prices will now be very comparable um or hey you know what i want something that's going to make me feel better because it's not full of high processed sweets 
I'll go to the frozen section and get this and some sauce. And while I'm there, maybe I'll pick up some garlic sticks or something like that from that section. All right. And this is why we we buy local and try local uh, on the podcast. Because not only do you get million-dollar marketing ideas, you get billion-dollar market industry insights. Yeah. (laughs) Mm, So good. It's so good. Get some ASMR. Mm. Mmm. Mmm. Well yeah, done. That's great. Yeah, I, I would say, um, wow. So, like, I, I will say, I find with almost all cauliflower products, they taste like cauliflower. The snooky mm-hmm. does as well, but it's subtle. I think if you would hit this with a bit more salt or have it actually like, properly dressed in the pasta, mm-hmm. if you mix in something like a, mush- a fried mushroom or like a little accent piece on there, you would never know. That has a chew of a normal snooky. That's incredible. I'm really impressed. See, what I love about this product line for the beet and goat cheese is that the beet is just a sweetness element. And then uh, the, the goat cheese is actually, it's, um, it's uh, a lot lighter than uh, uh, like a ricotta ravioli. And it's wow. just, it's subtle. It's really subtle. And I guess as an aglio, again, I'm looking for a little spice from the chilies, a little bit of the, the nuttiness from the garlic. And then the beet and goat cheese, not just, it is delightful. And it's light. It is very, it's like fresh pasta just has a lightness to it. It does. And you know, that's awesome that they manage to keep all those flavors so light too. Because beet is one of those flavors that, done wrong, it just gets dirty, right? And especially with goat cheese. That combo, it's, I love stains, it. Stains, stains the flavor, yeah. yeah. It goes dirty and funky. But that's amazing if they kept it light and just that sweetness. Oh, man, I got to try some of that. So basically what you're telling me is I need to fly out to Calgary to come and visit so I can try the pasta. This is what you're telling me. We'll call it a, 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 a transnational pasta bonanza, I think is what there we call go. it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. we, we will go pasta hopping across Canada featuring local lo- locally sourced wines. There you go. Oh, oh perfect. W- wines and breweries. I got to throw my breweries in there too. Breweries I- as well. We okay. love breweries on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. All right. Th- thank you, Canmore uh, Pasta Co. and, and Noco Pasta. You're, you're killing it. You're absolutely killing it. glad we filmed these segments separately because it allowed me and you to a far lesser extent to gorge myself uh, yeah. while we were uh, not recording. But uh, I want to I want to get into the nitty gritty. You you know you're, you're the president of the think tank, but also you're the co-founder of Wander Nut Butters, and I want to I want to know more about it. You're the first product that we featured on our show. But let's dive into the you. Like, what time of day are you getting the best work done? Uh, I'm doing my best work when I get the chance to do the work. <laughs> it's literally what it comes down to. You know, it's, I, I think most founders these days when they're starting something as a side hustle, um, will re- relate where, you know, your business hours, your nine to five, you have to be dedicated to your nine to five. And, you know, I've made a really strong effort and made a really clear distinction that I don't touch wander during think tank hours. Right. Um, one of them pays my bills. One of them is a pipe dream still. Right. <laughs> So I, I'm, I'm really conscious about how I split my time. Um, yeah. On top of that, I'm also a parent. You know, we've talked about this all the way through this entire thing. You know, any spare second I have when my daughter is home, I try and spend it with her. So in those rare moments when I'm not either working or being a dad or trying to catch a little bit of sleep is when I do my work. So my day starts at 5 a.m. Um, I crash out around 11 o'clock most nights. Um, you know, so getting not probably not quite enough sleep, but it's what I've done for years and years and years. So, um, I do my best work when I can, you know, it's, I think that holds true for most of us, right? We probably have, I probably do have an optimum window somewhere, but Mm -hmm. the reality is my work and life 
you know, blend, because I don't think it's ever balanced. The blend has always been so integrated that it's, I've, I've lost any sense of when that window is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. You're like, did I remember to eat? Maybe, but I remembered to work on all of the, the things I wanted to work on today. Yeah. Yeah. Then I, I love that, like that development from, if not hobby to a side hustle, then to like pipe dream to a side hustle to still the pipe dream. It's We're still going to do it. Um, what do you think is like the biggest challenge you're facing with, with, uh, with Water Nut Butters? Uh, same as a lot of companies. There's a couple. Um, so I think first, I kind of off the last one, time. Right, um, it just needs so much more time than I have available to give to it. Um, you know, people. When you think about starting a company, you think about all the tasks associated with the operations of that company, and usually the sales of that company. And you, you give some consideration to marketing, but you fail to fully appreciate how long it takes to create some types of content. So the bane of my existence right now is TikTok. I will never have a personal TikTok account. I will never create for myself on that on that platform. I will say I do greatly enjoy creating content for Wander on TikTok, but it takes an inordinate amount of time. If you want to do it, it doesn't have to be right on TikTok because it's such a forgiving platform, but I have a certain level of perfectionism in me. Yeah. So it needs to be synced just right, or they have to look just so. Uh, it's like, there's one that I probably spent a good hour on it, and it took was maybe a 15-second clip, and it got like 100 likes. And it's the most demoralizing thing ever. It's like, God damn it, I gotta go do this again tomorrow. Um, like, it's, it's awful. So, like, um, the time it takes to create all this content is crazy. I don't agree with a lot of what Gary Vaynerchuk has to say, but I do agree when it comes to, if you're going to create content, make that content give you at least 10, 20 pieces, right? Like, don't do a photo shoot and not also film a bunch of it or mm -hmm. do all these stages or, like, cut everything up. Um, money is always tight. You know, we're bootstrapping this. Um... When I had the idea and I kind of flushed it out and I tested it, the last person I had to get sign off from was my wife and part co-founder of the company. And I said, you know, I ran the numbers. I'm like, here's kind of what it's looking like and here's how much I want to put towards it. And the reality is, when that money is gone and a little bit of extra credit, if there's, if the numbers make sense for us to, if it's a cash flow crunch where we just need a little bit to get us to that next thing and it'll all be paid off, there's a bit of a buffer. But once that's gone, it's gone. Right? I'm never going to be that guy on Dragon's Den where they're talking to the dragons and I've spent a million of my own dollars or on the last eight years selling a product and I've only sold a couple hundred units, right? I'll never be that person. Um, which is why I'm very cognizant that this is still like a pipe dream, right? I've prepped it so this product's ready to go into any retailer right now. It's um, CFIA compliant, barcodes are ready, the, the, everything. Everything's good to go. I'm also fully prepared to pull the plug in six months because sales aren't where I need them to be, right? Yeah. So part of the challenge is that we're bootstrapping it. There's some upfront costs I wasn't expecting due to the, um, a couple things just due to benefits of paying things as a lump in a lump sum versus mm -hmm. um, cash flow benefits of the stretching it out. Um, some of it is the fact we're working with peanut butter and it's an allergen. And so there's certain pieces of equipment I wasn't planning on having to buy, but for me to be able to use certain facilities, it requires I had to get some stuff. Yeah. Um, so we're bootstrapped everything. So, you know, um, Funds for paid marketing would be great. We just don't have a ton. So that's a challenge because you need the sales to be able to do other things. You know, it's that, that, that challenge of you need to spend to make, but you don't, you need to make to have the money to spend. So mm -hmm. it's a weird balance we're working at right now. Uh, but really it's been a month, right? So, um, we started off really strong with a friend's family, colleague support was incredible. Um, huge thank you to everyone who's purchased. Like we, we blew past my first month numbers. Um, second month, the numbers are lower than I expected, um, which is, makes sense because of 
I think that's going to offset a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, need more people buying from outside my network. So, you know, going back to marketing. So, you know, it's all the challenges that any startup has. We're just still in that really early stage. And um, I'm just having fun with it. Truthfully, you know, I started this thing. I really, if this thing becomes a huge thing, and my wife always jokes about becoming a baroness of peanut butter and nut butters because we have other nut butters in, in the pipeline. Yeah. Um, yeah, that'd be amazing. I'd love for that to happen, you know? Yeah. Um, that, that is the thing, but we'll get there. We'll get there. That, that's where we'll get eventually. We'll get there eventually. Yeah. Look, look out, Mr. Peanut, Skippy, oh. and Kraft. Your bears ain't got nothing on Wander Nut Butters. Oh, those bears better watch themselves. I'm coming in armed with... Uh, I was about to tell you what one of the animals is on one of my upcoming skews. Can't tell you that yet. But it's camels and elephants. So camels, camels and elephants. elephants. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. The the animal crackers of, of, right. of uh, you know... Food icons. I, I, no, I, I really like that. It's a, it's a tough lesson to learn uh, of just not only cash elasticity, but especially of just like cash flow whiplash when you're like, oh, my barrier to growth is that things cost money to grow to the next stage. And I, I, I love that, you know, there's, uh, especially since you have all this agency knowledge and now you're like, I'm a, a small business owner as well. And you, you get to bring, all these great ideas from agency life, and then you're like, okay, now what can I afford to do as a small business owner? Like this, I like mean, that's the coolest part. Honestly, and that's that's actually what I was going with. Where I kind of lost my train of thought before, but that's where it was going. Was part of why I started this was exactly that. I have all this experience, right? I spent eighty percent plus of my time talking to founders of incredible brands like NoGo and Game um, Going to the huge just will piss off people if I miss them. Um, but like, I spent so much time talking to them, so I have all this secondhand knowledge. I have an MBA and all this business experience. I run an agency, but I've always been on the agency side or on a B two B service side. Um, so if nothing else, I entered the saying, if this fails in six months, that's fine because I've already now gotten all the firsthand experience and in talking to other founders and people like yourself, the second you've launched something and even when it bombs out, when you start talking to someone about it, it changes your relationship and conversation immediately because now it's a, ah, you actually know what you're talking about because you and I have the same battle scars. Yeah. And now it's not about like, what are you trying to pitch me or what you're trying to do? Now it's like, oh, hold on. You you got that scar? Let me show you my scar. Yeah. Like, it's one of those things that just happens, right? Um, so that's why I started it. Like, it's a big, I started for a whole host of reasons, you know, future for my daughter, something else to do, extra revenue source. But a big part of it was I wanted the experience. I really just wanted to get in there, own something myself, launch a company, go through it um, for better or for worse and just have the experience. And it's been awesome. It's been really I cool. Honestly, man, I love that. It You know, some of the best business scar tissue devolves into a, a, a hockey sk- stitches match and just like, well, let me show you this one. Okay, exactly what it is. It's, oh, that, oh, that's, oh, those are like some of the best shared lessons the best shared experiences. Um, what I, what I do want to make sure I, I ask though, is that I love your product and I, oh. you're not, you're not paying me to say that. I do just love Wonder Nut Butters. Oh, thanks. Product differentiation. What are you guys doing that you would say is just not there in, in the market. What are peanut butters not doing that you do? So they aren't doing savory oriented international flavors. And I could even break it into two separate ones to say no one's doing savory and no one for sure is doing international. So you look at it, the peanut butter world and you get your organic, your plains, your crunchies, fine. Then you go into your flavored. And, and let me be clear that within all those, once you go into the natural side of things, the differences aren't in the peanuts anymore. And that's about how fine do you like, how smooth do you want it, what size chunk. Like it comes down to really preference because the peanut butter itself is almost identical. Other peanut butter comes are going to get mad at me because there are different ratios of peanuts you put in, but ultimately more or less the same. Splitting hairs. Splitting hairs. 
Then you get into the flavored stuff, and it's all caramels and chocolates and marshmallow and maybe a pumpkin spice seasonal LTO, you know, maybe. Um, and that's all fine and good, but I'm not as, I'm sorry, I always say I'm not a sweet guy. I'm a very sweet guy, but I'm not a sweet lover, yeah. right? And that's not right either. I'm not too. Um, I don't gravitate towards sweet foods. I prefer salty foods. Uh, and so for me, um, I always try and lean into the savory aspect of stuff. So it was in a, literally in a span of a week. I made this Moroccan stew. It's a staple um, we make all the time. And it uses peanut butter. And a couple days later, I was making this cheat Thai noodle dish. An undergrad classic, right? Your peanut butter, soy sauce, sriracha, mixy, 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 instant Thai. Delicious. Juice, right? Yeah. And as I was making this, I'm like, man, you know, it'd be just awesome. It's just a little bit of lime leaf and lemongrass. Because I don't, I cook a lot of Thai, but I don't carry that stuff in my house usually. And it was that moment I kind of went, oh, I, I wonder if I could just mix it into the peanut butter. And then I remember the Moroccan stew. And then it took me on this off on this whole, I literally turned to my wife and said, no one's doing savory peanut butters. Think there's a market for that? And she said, I don't know. Go research. So I did. Um, and I found that there, there's a couple who are not in Canada. There's a couple in the U S um, uh, the one I talked to is out on the West coast. Elliot's, they have a spicy Thai peanut butter as it happens. Um, they're phenomenal. The, the people behind it, I will say, um, I like their spicy Thai ain't my favorite. Um, but they were amazing people and they gave me a real skinny on how they create theirs. Um, there's one on the East coast U S who does more sweet flavors, but or um, different, like ginger, they have a coconut lime, but really nothing savory. Mm-hmm. So through all this research, I went from the savory peanut butter to internationally spiced nut butters, um, and that's really what differentiates us. So, you know, we're not differentiating on being gluten-free or plant-based, because of course we are, we're a peanut butter. We are a unapologetically internationally spiced nut butter made of peanuts, nuts, and spice, and that's it. We're spiced, not spicy, um, and we encourage you to come and spread the world. <laughs> I... Love it, man. Especially your Galileo, like, eureka moment. Hopped out of the stir fry, and I, or hopped out of my pad thai, and I just knew it. Yeah. Literally, yeah. Honestly, Jared, man, I am so glad you came on the podcast. Thank you so much for being a guest. Uh, it's been a blast, Adam. Thanks for, ha- thanks for featuring Wander as your first product. It was a complete surprise to me. I was blown away when I saw it, but thank you for that. Thanks for having me on the show. It's been so much fun. Uh, honestly, it was our delightful pleasure. I'm almost, I'm, I think I'm done one of them already, and I'm probably going to order more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, man. Thanks so much. Uh, pleasure. This is the How Did You Get Here podcast, the first podcast solely about the guest and how they got to where they are now. 